I'm not really, no. To be honest, I hate cardio. So um, <laughs> I'm definitely more of a power athlete. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's nice to just get, get out and about. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello everyone, welcome back to episode number 26 of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. I'm here today with Britain's leading ski cross athlete, Emily Sarsfield. Emily is the eight times British ski cross champion and this year has just competed in the Pyeongchang Olympics in Korea. And it was watching Emily in these Olympics that made me really want her on the podcast and, and not so much for, for her abilities at ski cross and what she was doing, but more for what one of the commentators said at the time. And he was explaining how much of a struggle it was for Emily to to compete, to, to raise funds and how much work she was doing off the ski slopes to actually raise her own funds so that she could compete at this level. And for me, that was such an inspiring story that someone was competing at such a high level, but they was doing so much work in the background to just get themselves there. And I knew for a fact that other teams and other competitors didn't have these struggles off the slopes. I knew that they had everything on a plate for them. And yet there was Emily doing everything off off the slope herself to get her there in the first place and then competing as well. And I knew that Emily sharing her story on this podcast would spread so much value to everyone who's listening. And although she does that really well, and she really does go into a lot of detail as to how she actually gets herself out on the ski slopes in the first place. And it's really tough for her. I really feel for how much she's having to put in, how much work she's having to put in off the ski slopes. But it's just one of the most amazing episodes or couple of episodes we've got coming up because she's such a lovely person. She tells such a great story. And I challenge anyone to, to not be inspired by what she has to say. Even if you're not into the Winter Olympics, even if you're not a skier or a snowboarder, and maybe you don't even know what ski cross is at this stage, it's just such a fantastic story. You're going to absolutely love these two episodes. So grab a cup of tea, sit back, relax. I'm not going to tell you any more about what Emily's going to tell you because it's, it's so great. You're going to love it. Sit back, enjoy your cup of tea and listen to episode number 26 with Emily Sarsfield. Hi, Emily. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thank you. Outside, on the bar. So I'm going to say you're outside in sunshine, but people listening obviously can't see that. So... <laughs> I am outside in the sunshine. It's a nice day in London town. Yeah, it's all good. So am I right in thinking you've just come back from the London to Brighton bike ride as well a few days ago? <laughs> yeah, you are, yeah. Um, on Sunday, I did that with uh, yeah, a ski area who are hosting the World Road Championships in September. So um, yeah, they asked me to join them and I thought, not doing anything that day, might as well go for a little pedal. Yeah. Are you much of a cyclist? I'm not really, no. To be honest, I hate cardio. So um, I'm definitely more of a power athlete. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's nice to just get, get out and about, isn't it? And it was actually really good fun. Yeah. A lot of people doing it, weren't they? So. Oh, yeah. Thousands and thousands. It was like, it was like traffic jams on bikes. I was like, what? <laughs> did, you, uh, did you recover all right? I'm guessing it didn't cause you any issues. No, no, it was good. Um, actually, ended up 
because I did it with um, a group of journalists who a lot of them I know, they were all a bit kind of like, oh my gosh, there's an actual athlete doing it. But I was obviously panicking because it was cardio. And um, so I felt a bit pressured that I had to kind of, uh, yeah, keep up the pace. So it was, um, so we pushed it a bit, but it was, it was definitely good fun. And I must admit my legs are a bit tired now, but that could be just a result of the, the leg strength session I've just done. <laughs> okay. So where, where are you in your season at the moment? So it's complete off season for us just now. Um, we don't start back competing until December. So yeah, right now it's just all about kind of like the prep work, like the physical prep work and stuff like that. So do you, do you have much of an off season in the sense that you fully relax or are you constantly training throughout your off season as well? Well, actually, the first kind of a team camp was just last week. Um, but unfortunately, I couldn't attend um, just because I needed a little bit more time like off my skis. It was such an intense winter last year. I just wanted a kind of a little bit more time just to kind of, uh, yeah, away from, it sounds ridiculous, away from the mountains because I love the mountains. But yeah, off my skis as such. And also just to kind of fix a few niggles, which have been kind yeah. of underlying for a while. Yeah, you need the rest, definitely. And you can have too much of a good thing. Having some time away reinvigorates you. Get, you look forward to it a little bit more when you go back as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm actually just really enjoying being in one place for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, since, since we first contacted, this is the most I've seen you in one location, I think. Yeah, and, uh, and that's still kind of with like the odd week in Bristol and, you know, working in Brighton every now and then and stuff like that. So I say I'm in one place as in kind of a, a 200 mile radius of one place one country at least yeah exactly <laughs> so let's let's take you straight back to the start then how does a fun sport that you started as a kid turn into something more serious yeah so um started on family holidays um and that was just kind of our annual trip away and it was actually um out of the school skiing I joined the, my school ski team and we started to do some local races on the dry ski slope and then it all kind of excuse the pun but snowball from there oh, oh dear how many times have you said that in an interview <laughs> yeah I know it's bad isn't it sorry I'll get better I'll get better <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, was there a point when you thought do you know what I'm really good at this or did someone tell you that you was good and, and you should take it more seriously how did it come about yeah, I think it, it was all quite, it was quite a natural process. But yeah, we joined this local dry ski slope up in Sunderland and Siltsworth. And we used to go there every Wednesday night. And we just, we just enjoyed it, loved it. But we were, I was from a very sporty family. And I had a, an older sister, um, Victoria, who was very sporty as well. And I just basically wanted to kind of do everything what she did. We were actually gymnasts at the time. So actual sport was probably about 30 hours of our week. And I do not know how my parents did it because they were essentially <laughs> taxi drivers to gymnastics, netball, hockey, whatever it might be. And um, yeah, so gymnastics was a big thing for us back then as kids. And um, we just used to ski once a week, but we suddenly got selected for kind of the English schools team. And then I got selected for um, the British children's team. And yeah, it, it kind of all went quite... I got selected for kind of like international competitions quite quickly. And I suppose that's kind of when I, um, yeah, we kind of focused a little bit more on the skiing, both me and my sister, actually. Um, was you happy with that? Or was there, was there another sport that you would have preferred to do out of the gymnastics and the hockey and everything else? Was, or was skiing the love from the word go? Um, 
gymnastics was the was the big one. Um, I did sports acro, which is actually basically when you uh, you're in pairs and and trios, and you basically balance on top of each other's shoulders and get thrown up in the air and and stuff like that. But gymnastics, kind of at that age, is is really quite um, intense and really quite serious, and um, you got to dedicate your your whole life to it and when I started taking some time away from it to go and do my skiing my gymnastics coach really really wasn't happy about it um but then I think that was kind of when I was just like well wait a second here like I'm actually at a higher level now in my skiing than I am in my gymnastics and it's more fun I'm enjoying it and so yeah I ended up kind of breaking away from the gymnastics thing at about the age of 15 and taking taking the skiing thing more serious and I know we said you're in off season now, but when you're when you're in your season, how much do you train for your skiing? Is it every day? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously, rest is important. So we, there's definitely kind of a day where we're we're not kind of training. And when I say train, I'm not just talking about kind of on the slope, but it's just kind of like all the gym work and the recovery side of things as well. But to be honest, that off that off days quite often kind of in a car or in a van traveling from one place to another um so i mean travel really gets you so that's um yeah just to recover from that something else but yeah it's pretty much it is pretty much kind of like a an, an everyday occurrence of some form of training yeah what type of training are we doing you said that you're doing a lot of stuff off the off, off the ice off the off the snow as well so what uh, what type of training are we doing yeah, so um, in the winter, kind of comp season and stuff, it's all about maintenance for me. Um, so it'll be kind of like on a bike, kind of getting the recovery, making sure the legs are kind of still taking over. And when I'm in the gym doing my power lifts or my strength stuff, it's kind of, it's rather than kind of trying to build new muscle, I'm just trying to maintain the work I've done in the summer um, and obviously just keeping stretching. I mean, my sport is pretty brutal. Um, so yeah, recovery is, is definitely key. <laughs> and what uh, what sort of team has Emily got around her? Is it uh, a big team, Emily? You got loads of loads of different trainers, mental strength coaches, nutritionists, PTs. Or <laughs> is it or is it just you? <laughs> um, I, I laugh at that point because uh, you would have thought kind of a Olympian. Um, you know, you've got a big team around you with kind of yeah medical support physical yeah. your on so coach your psych your nutritionist and and don't get me wrong that is kind of like the norm for kind of a, a regular olympian but unfortunately um british winter sports isn't as well funded um so i'll take you back kind of like 12 months ago it was basically just team emily which was just emily and um i basically yeah funded my whole program um did all my own kind of like physical training um i copied off other people to learn how to do the technical stuff on snow i hooked up with a polish team for a while which was amazing um but essentially i didn't have a coach i didn't have the i was my chauffeur i was my ski tech and i did everything kind of like off my own back and um, my federation did employ a coach kind of about 12 months ago so i have had a, a on snow coach for the last 12 months but the rest of it is still kind of like just team emily but super lucky to have sponsors and stuff who kind of support me and and different kind of um physical experts who will kind of give me loads of advice and stuff like it's a link up in sponsorship so um mm. and with bxr and stuff at the moment and i've been with like Daz dennis and dan cleel and all these people will provide me with loads of kind of info which has been amazing how about previous olympians and other people in the sport do they more experienced people do they pass on their information as well when they see you about 
Um, well, in the ski cross world, uh, I'm really lucky because I've, I've kind of been that lone Brit for quite some time. So there was always people within the sport who would give me advice and give me tips and stuff. And that, that's been amazing. And the, the, they give me quite a lot of respect because they're like, to be honest, if our girls did this on their own, they wouldn't still be here and they wouldn't be doing it because, and also it's because it's extreme sport. They, they want to kind of see me safe. Um, so they're going to provide me with that kind of vital information before I go down a track and potentially, uh, yeah, kill myself. So, um, yeah, I have been really lucky to have the support of that around me. And Jenny Jones actually was really helpful just before this, um, this time last year, kind of, we sat down together and yeah, she helped me make a bit of a, a plan for the Olympic year coming ahead. So, so yeah, it, there is, um, yeah, people around and which is always helpful. How frustrating does it get for you, though, when you see other people probably have got the entourage, they've got all the coaches and they've got all the help and you're kind of there trying to try to get through it on your own? Is it frustrating? Oh, it's hugely frustrating. And I tell you what, the, the biggest thing for me is it get, I get even more frustrated when they kind of like they, they whinge. I'm like, oh, my gosh, if you only you knew. But also, I mean, I mean, probably like six years ago, if we had this conversation then, it would probably, I'd probably give you a different answer now. I'd be like, oh my God, yeah, I'm so hard done to. It's so difficult for me. And, but actually, um, I've just tried to, like, about five years ago, I had a little bit of a moment where I just tried to change it positively. And I was just like, well, actually, all of this is doing is just making me even more motivated and more determined. And I just tried to, like, yeah, take a complete different twist on it. And, uh, yeah, I know that I'm, like, more hungry than a lot of my peers. And they probably they probably wouldn't be here still competing today if they kind of like had the same setup or lack of setup what I have. Yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I've got hay fever today. It's really bad. I'll cut that bit out. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. So going back to getting your own sponsorship, getting your own funding, what are the sorts of things you've done in the past to, to generate the income to allow you to travel and buy your equipment? And... Yeah. So, um, I, in the summers kind of was always a matter of like juggling a few jobs so I sometimes was working for three jobs at a time and but the lady years I've been working with um with a guy who used to be a pro rugby player um and we convert shipping containers into bars um pretty random but I basically look after all the logistics and the rentals and the operations of of that side of the business in the summer um which is actually kind of like you know, it's quite good because it's just like kind of organizing myself in the winter, you know, <laughs> getting around and stuff like that, apart from getting around shipping containers rather than myself just on a budget. So transferable skills are pretty good. And then in the winter, I set up a ski school, um, which basically I teach people to ski in the winter months when I'm not competing. So, um, yeah, it's all about kind of setting things up around my skiing because, you know, the I wasn't able to do kind of like a full-time permanent job and my skiing at the same time because I had to be away in the mountains. So yeah, it, I've definitely tried to mold life around my sport. I, I understand the, like the Emily ski school. I can see how that's come about. How on earth did the shipping containers start? <laughs> yeah. Um, we actually, this guy in particular had um, the Tour de France um, fan parks. He had the official license to run those back in 2014 and uh, yeah, he was a friend of my sister's and just asked if I wanted to get involved just because it was like a summer period of work. So I did that with him and basically we got on pretty well. We 
I've got very similar mentalities to work because he came from a sports background as well. And uh, yeah, just that's just how it all started. And to be honest, it's not my brainchild. It's definitely his. But um, yeah, it's a great concept. And we have uh, we now have Apre bars in the winter, which is pretty well linked to me. <laughs> wow, that's, that's awesome. So, so pop up Apre bars if anyone wants one, get in touch. We'll put it in the show notes for everyone, all right? <laughs> going, going back a few minutes, Seb, when you said um, a few years ago, you, if we had this conversation six years ago, it would have been different, but you had a bit of a mental shift. What caused yeah. the mental shift? Was it any particular training? Was, um, it was basically banging my head against a brick wall. I was constantly saying, but surely I should get some funding. Like, I'm the best in my country. Like, I'm this in the world. I need some funding. I need some funding. And there wasn't, the funding there like to, to get so it was just kind of like I was just wasting energy and um I was just like wait a second if I put all of that energy in there to kind of basically trying and trying and trying and getting a no into kind of like putting it into my training and something which I can personally control then surely that's going to be better off for, for me and my sport yeah. and so that's what I did okay hard but yeah. you have to do it <laughs> I've, I've spoken to a lot of winter winter olympians now um and some paralympians as well and yeah. they, they all suffer the same because it's winter olympics and this is this is sunny england and we don't really have any winter sports so yeah. i imagine in ski cross which is still reasonably new is even harder for you than it is for some of the other athletes yeah it probably is um but you know i just feel that that's kind of that's the position and that's the situation i'm in so um so you've just got to make the most out of your personal situation and i think it's been very hard for athletes who maybe sort of transition from alpine or a sport where there was kind of some form of funding and there was some kind of um structure in place to then come to ski cross when there wasn't that is they found it really difficult yeah. and um they were just kind of like, yeah, but like, who's going to, and I was like, no, 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 like you're on your own now, buddy. And, and they had to learn quite quickly. And I was quite lucky that I'd never had it. So therefore kind of, it wasn't something new to me. It's almost harder to go from something you've got to then having to come to back to nothing rather than never having anything and kind of getting something. So I, I suppose in a way I was, I was lucky. <laughs> yeah. I think that does make a big difference. The very first person I had on this podcast was Jason Sklenard, a winter biathlete. And he would say the same. He had, he had come from a military background where they was used to coping on next to nothing and sleeping in vans. And they had that kind of mental resiliency to deal with it. And other teams like the Germans, for example, had this big entourage. And if the slightest thing went wrong, they would cry, they would moan, they wasn't happy. And yeah, Jason and his team were just kipping in the back of a VW van and, and going from place to place. And to them, that was, that was normal. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so when those teams kind of like end up losing something or they don't have like, who well who's going to sort out my plane ticket this day and who's going to kind of sort my skis and move my skis from a to b it became becomes another stress whereas kind of when you're self-managing all of that yourself it's kind of like well it's down to you and there's no other variables for it to go wrong yeah how do you find the time to do all that though to just saying about booking plane tickets getting your luggage in you've got to get transport to and from the airport you've then got to book hotels if you haven't got people doing that for you and then you've got to get there and you've got to trade, you've probably got to source a, a local gym when you get there. If there's not one on site, how on earth do you find time to get all that done? Um, 
I don't know, it's just becomes the norm. I'm, it's like, it's just so normal for me now to, like just last night at 10 o'clock at night, I was like, oh shoot, I haven't booked a, a flight to go and do that training camp in, in, in July. So I was like, quickly, it was like just, you know exactly which kind of, um, which websites to go on to get the cheapest ticket and how to get, from A to B in the easiest way and there's all sorts of and to be honest I've, I've, my sister Victoria is kind of like we kind of call her Victoria Google <laughs> Sarsfield because basically she is um, she's a legend with stuff like that so if I can't do it she can do it so I have got kind of people around me who will help me out and um, like my family and, my, and, and friends so yeah it's, um, it just gets done you've just got to do it it's your responsibility so awesome. it happens <laughs> <laughs> just, just it just happens yeah it just be it, it's just normal now to do it it's actually quite funny you say that because um, i was at a meeting with, uh, like a, a couple of months ago and there was a load of rowers there and this guy was saying like how he, when he left his sport and he was just like yeah i mean i went on holiday with my family and um I got to the airport and I just panicked because, you know, there was no one there like handing me out my tickets and no one can take my bags. And, and, you know, I, and I, and I was like, I just panicked. And I was like, Oh my God, buddy, are you joking? Like I do that day in, day out. So in a way for those people who have got it on a plate, then I've definitely learned some life skills, I think from not having it on a plate. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard that before, particularly with professional footballers, they have everything done yeah. for them. And then they just they don't know how to live a normal life. And they just, the minute they come out of like, when they retire, they're lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so right. think, of, think of the stress, what they must go through then. That's when they need their psychology. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Right. Thanks very much for that, Emily. We'll, um, we'll wrap up there and we'll come back in a couple of days for part two. Okay, thanks a lot. There you go. I told you what, what an awesome lady and what an amazing episode that was. Now I want to break a little bit with tradition. And normally I would bring in a question maybe from the listeners or from my own group and I'd give a little bit of health advice. But I, I want to change that a little bit here because Emily's alluded there to how much work she actually puts in behind the scenes herself and how how much Team Emily is exactly that. It is just Emily building everything herself in the background. If you imagine when you go on holiday and you've, you've got all your, your flight tickets, you've got to check your own baggage in and, and you've got the... You've got the flight itself, you've got the transport to the airport, you've got the transport from the airport the other side. You remember when you get on holiday and sit on that beach and you think, my God, I needed a rest after all that travelling. Well, think about it from Emily's point of view. She's got to do all that travelling, all that planning herself. Then she doesn't get to sit on her backside and rest. She's got to go and then compete at a good level, very well. She's got to compete at the highest level possible. And and that's really tough after doing all that travelling. Then she competes, then she's off again. She's doing exactly the same again a few days later. I cannot imagine how tough that must be for the lady. And she said as well that she doesn't have the biggest amount of sponsorship. She's doing, a, she's doing jobs in the summer, in her off-season, to, to fund her season. She's working really, really hard at it. So I'm going to challenge everyone. If you're listening to this and you've got any help that you could give Emily, whether that be sponsorship financially, whether maybe you're a nutritionist or you're a coach or you're a PT... Anybody who could give this lady some help is going to be massively appreciated. And, and we're going to be helping one of Britain's top winter Olympic athletes to grow their career, to improve their results. And is there going to be anything better? If we've got the ability to help this lady, 
let's do it. Okay, I've, I've offered some of my support. I've offered some of my coaching to her. Let's see what else we can get. Even if you're a taxi driver and you, you can offer to take her from, from the airport or to the airport, anything at all that we can do to help this lady and take some of the stress and the pressure off her behind the scenes is going to be massively appreciated. So, so get in touch. You can get in touch directly with Emily in the show notes. You can get in touch with me and I can put you in contact. Anything you can do, absolutely anything, no matter how small, is going to be a great help. So I challenge us all to do that. Let, let's all chip in. Let's all do a little bit for Emily to help her career. And your next challenge is to come back in a couple of days, episode number 27, another great episode from Emily. We're going to get a lot more in-depth in into some injuries and, and missing out on Olympics and the heartbreak and the, and the mental strength and the mental resiliency that she's got to get over these challenges and how much it really meant to her to compete in 2018 in Pyeongchang. So come back. Join Emily again, episode number 27. You're going to absolutely love it. And don't forget, if you can help her in any way, head over to the show notes, reach out to me or Emily. Anything you can do, guys, girls, is, is a fantastic, fantastic thing to do. Take care, and I'll speak to you again in a couple of days' time.